Amen. Matthew chapter 27 in your Bibles this evening. How many of you were encouraged this morning? I was encouraged sitting up there and, and going across the auditorium and, and all the people I didn't know or the people that I did know that, but I knew that they were lost or they weren't in church or whatever it was. And it, it, was, it was really neat uh, just to see them this morning come out and, and uh, know that the gospel is presented to them. Um, and, uh, and we're just praying that the Lord will work in their hearts. Uh, our, our, this message this evening uh, comes from a, a thought uh, after master clubs. So my wife and I and, and some of our teens, we work in our grade sixes uh, class. Um, and uh, this past week, I got to teach about who is Jesus. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've been giving the kids opportunities to pick the topic. And so they picked hell. And then we did a message about, Luc- uh, about Lucifer. Uh, we talked about God. We talked about heaven. And this last week, we talked about Jesus. And, you know, as I was writing it, I'm like, this is the gospel. This is the, the power of what Jesus did for us, the most important message that, that we can do at, at our, in our class. And we preached. And um, it started off a little bit rough. The kids were all uh, fooling around, laughing. But by the end of it, they were listening. They were engaged. And I'm like, yes, someone's going to get saved tonight. And we give the invitation. And I ask, all right, which of you want to make a decision for Jesus? And nobody Nobody moved. No one, I couldn't even get them, I asked them, okay, how many of you would say, I don't believe in God? And some people raised their hand. How many of you say, I maybe believe in God? And the rest of the class raised their hand. And then how many of you would say, I absolutely believe in God? And none of them raised their hand. And so I I walked away and and I got to admit, I was a little bit discouraged. I'm, I'm like, we have the Bible, we have the story of, of Jesus, the power of the gospel. And how can someone sit through that and, and not be moved, not be challenged, not be uh, brought to a decision. And so it got me thinking, you know, this is, this is the resurrection weekend. And, and as much, you know, and don't take this disrespectfully, but Jesus saw a lot of people that rejected him, that didn't believe on him. You know, we celebrated the resurrection this morning, and it got me thinking, you know, how many people saw Jesus get crucified, or they saw him walk through the the streets of Jerusalem carrying the cross, or they saw, or they heard as he was beaten, you know, as the soldiers did all those things to him, and and maybe they walked out of the city, you know, um, people, that's, it was by a main uh, roadway there, people would have saw Jesus get crucified, they would have saw him die, and three days later, at the, at the resurrection, you're confronted with that reality, um, and yet people still rejected him. And so I, I started reading that account, uh, and God gave me a couple ideas or, or challenges, convictions in my heart. And so we're going to look at that this evening. And the, and the first thing that we're going to see, and I, I'm trying to follow pastor with my alliterations here, is the religious manipulators. The religious manipulators. So in Matthew chapter number 27, we'll begin reading... In verse 62, now the next day uh, that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate saying, sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, all right, so he's dead, all right, let's let's agree on that, he's gone, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day. Lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. And look at their reasoning. What was their motive? So the last error 
or the lie, as from their perspective, shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, you have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. You see that as a challenge? Yeah, all right, if this is what you want, you, you don't want the, the disciples to come, you don't want that grave to be opened, you know, you have your own guards, you have your own, um, you know, stonemasons and carpenters, you make that grave as sure as you can. It's almost like a challenge to them. You have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And in chapter 28, verse 1, then the end of the Sabbath, as it began uh, to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And verse 4, and for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. They experienced something that was miraculous. An angel comes down, rolls the stone away. I, I believe that Jesus was already gone. You know, Jesus didn't need an angel to roll that stone away. We all know that. Um, I believe Jesus was already resurrected, but the angel came. He opened that, that door, rolled back the stone. He, uh, the Bible says countenance was like lightning, raiment white as snow. And those keepers, they, they fainted. The Bible says they became as dead men. All right, and then go down to verse 11. Now, when they were going, talking about uh, Mary and the others that were there in the garden, behold, some of the watch, okay, some of those keepers came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. All right, they came back and they said, look, you guys told us to, to make the, the stone sure. We did. You guys told us to, to watch it and to guard against the disciples. You did, but you did not tell us anything about angels coming down. All right, we're, we're no match for that. And so they come and they show it unto the chief priests, all the things that were done, verse 12. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, all right, those chief priests and the elders said, man, what are we going to do? All right, we did not expect God. <laughs> you know, how else do you explain it? We did not expect, you know, we wondered if the, the disciples would come. We did not expect an angel to come. But they took counsel and they said, look, we cannot let the Jesus story get any further. And so they took counsel. They, they came up with a scheme, a deception. All right. And they gave large monies unto the soldiers saying, say ye, his disciples came by night. But pause for a second. Weren't these the religious? Wasn't this the priest? It's, it's funny, I had a, a teenager ask me this afternoon, hey, Mr. B, can you lie for me? And I'm like, well, what kind of question is that? And uh, he needs his, uh, his community service hours. And so he wants me to just write, you know, he served at Bethel, sign the form, you know. Um, you know, but they should know better. These priests should know better. What was the accusation that they, they made against Jesus? That he would lie by calling himself the son of God, that he would deceive you know, and now these, these high priests and these elders have to come up with a scheme, have to come up with a lie to cover themselves. Say ye, his disciples came by night, stole him away while we slept. And if, it's this, if this has come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. We'll bribe him. 
All right, so I want you to tell this lie. I want you to deceive everyone. Say the disciples did it. Not only that, we're going we're gonna to give you this, big, uh, this great sum of money. Um, and if the, the governor hears about this, because if a prisoner escaped on your watch, you could be put to death. You know, and so to back the back up the lie, you know, if the governor finds out, we'll we'll persuade him, we'll we'll bribe him, we'll pay him off, we'll protect you. Verse 15. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. And so we see these religious manipulators, they had to come up with a lie to to make themselves look like they were in the right. Yes, we killed a heretic. You know, Jesus said he was the son of God. He, there's no way he could, you know, he didn't follow the religion like we did. He didn't obey the law like we thought he should. Um, and, and so they come up with all this, this, this great scheme. And so I was reading that and the thought occurred to me, I'm like, why didn't Jesus walk into that room? You know, why didn't he? They're, they're having this council, they're having this meeting. Okay, how can we, how can we explain this away? You know, if it, if, if, Jesus was risen from the dead. Why didn't he walk back into Jerusalem and just, hey guys, I'm here, <laughs> you know? And it got me thinking, you know, like if I was Jesus, that's what I would do. I would, I would absolutely, I'd walk right in there and I'd sit down and I'm like, what do you got now? You killed me and I'm back, you know, like power over the grave, everything. And, and that would be my, my fleshly response, you know, but when we look in the Bible so often, time and time again, God just does things differently. Go to the book of Acts with me. Acts chapter 10. And so I had that question in my head, you know, why didn't Jesus just walk into the high priest? Why didn't he just do that? In Acts chapter 10, we actually find an answer. And, you know, I'm sure I've read this verse before, but... I just, I had not seen it. I had totally missed, missed glazed over this, this little phrase here, okay? So Acts chapter 10, verse number 39. Acts 10, 39. And we are witnesses of all the things that he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they slew and hanged on a tree. And him God raised up the third day and showed him only. And then verse 41 not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Jesus, or, or God rather, had, had a, a list. He had chosen, and we, uh, the Bible calls them witnesses. He had chosen a specific group of people that, you, that Jesus was going to appear to and nobody else. You know, and, and I don't know the, the why, you know, God had a purpose. Uh, it's not for us to, to, to know the mind of God, but God chose not to, to triumphantly walk through the city, you know, not to throw a big party and, and say, look, Jesus rose from the grave. Everyone look at him, power over the death, over hell, over any of that stuff. Um, God had a, had a list, a chosen group of people that were going to be witnesses for him. So who are the chosen men? We saw the religious manipulators, now we're going to see the chosen men, and I'm sorry I couldn't come up with another M, and women. All right, chosen men and women. Go back to Mark, the book of Mark. Who was on God's list 
to witness the resurrection or the, the Jesus after the resurrection rather. Mark chapter 16 and verse number nine. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to who? To Mary. You know, if we were to, to, to think about, okay, on the scale of greatness in the New Testament, we'd put Peter up there sometimes. We'd put John maybe. We'd put the disciples, you know. Um, but Jesus chose Mary. And again, that, that's, that's a God thing. You know, I can't explain. I, God chose Mary to see Jesus for the very first time after the resurrection. Imagine the, the, how special that would have been. And, and look at what the Bible says. Appeared first to Mary, out of whom he had cast seven devils. All right, Mary wasn't some great, powerful, mighty person. She was a person that before Jesus had been afflicted, that had been tormented, that had been demonically possessed. And yet when she came and she met Jesus, and, and we don't know the whole story, how that all took place, ultimately Jesus cast out seven devils from her and she followed him. She followed him through his teaching. The Bible says that Mary Magdalene was at the cross. She saw him crucified. And now, on the third day, Mary was the one who saw Jesus first. She wept and told them that had been with them, and they mourned and wept. In Matthew, the Bible calls the other Mary also was there. I'll read it to you. Matthew 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Again, it wasn't these great church fathers or the, the, you know, all the disciples or the apostles that, that Jesus appeared to first. It was Mary. After that, in Luke chapter 24, he appeared to, to two unknown men. We just call them the, the, uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. All right? In Luke 24, verse 13, the Bible says, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem, about three scores furlong. And they talked together all of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. These two unknowns were the next people that, that the Bible records. It, it, he, he may have shown himself to other people, but as far as who had, uh, the Bible records, these two unknown, they were witnesses of Jesus and lastly, or, or, or maybe not last, but uh, after them was the unbelieving disciples. You know, these disciples that had spent three years with Jesus, they believed, they, they trusted, they knew that, uh, you know, Jesus had told them time and time and time again, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to raise again. And they believed that, or maybe not. Unbelieving disciples were on the list for who God was going to appear to. You're still in Mark, Mark chapter 11, or Mark 16, verse number 11. Uh, and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, talking about Mary's story here, believed not. You think maybe, again, if I was going to make the list, the disciples probably wouldn't make the list of who I'm going to appear to. You know, they forsook Jesus in the garden. Peter denied Jesus around the fire. He cursed and said, I know not the man. And yet God chose to put them on the list of who's going to see Jesus. Who's going to be a witness. Mark 16 verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. 
and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And yet God still appeared to them. Jesus still appeared to them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 also says, um, after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. You know, again, you know, Jesus didn't walk through the city. He didn't, he didn't have all the fanfare. You know, it reminded me of how Jesus came to this earth. You know, he came in a stable to, to two poor uh, parents who weren't high and mighty, who weren't super special. And, and Jesus used the ordinary to come into this world. He used the ordinary, the simple, the unbelievers even, um, to show himself after the resurrection. And those, those were the ones that made God's list. And so why? Why, why would that happen? Why would God have chosen those people? If you if, uh, go to Acts again, I should have had you keep a, a bookmark there. But Acts chapter 10, after we, ra- uh, we read that God had a list, um, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. You know, the reason that God had that list, the reason that, or one of the reasons maybe that God did that is because he chose fallen man, sinners, a lady that was possessed at one point, disciples that totally missed what, what they had been supposed to have been learning, and God chose to use them to preach. And, and that's so humbling. That's so, um, it's such a God thing. You know, as, as, uh, if you ever teach gym class or you're, you're doing games with kids, you know, let, let's pick teams, all right? And they'd always pick, you know, they'd pick Dennis first, right? Um, you know, you pick the fastest, the strongest, the smartest, because you want them on your team. And the people that are a little bit slower and clumsy and, and uh, whatever else, you, you know, they get left to, to the end. And yet God chose sinners as his mouthpiece to preach, to witness. Um, and we, we see that he commanded us to preach. God chose to trust the job of telling about the resurrection to sinners. The foolishness of preaching. Our next point is the foolish method. We saw the, um, the religious manipulators, the chosen men and women, the foolish method. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number one, if you turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 1. And, and I say that reverently. You know, it, it's, um, you know, if God, if God hadn't called, called it foolish, you know, I, I would dare not. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 21, we read the Bible says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the, uh, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness. Why, you know, why would God call preaching foolishness. 
You know, and if we think about how people react to it, we understand a little bit. The foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach. What is it that we preach? What is the foolishness of preaching? What is, what is the, the message that we have here? We preach Christ crucified. You know, those witnesses that God, uh, that Jesus appeared to, Mary, the disciples, um, you know, the, other, the, the larger group of disciples were entrusted by God as witnesses to go and tell people what they had seen. Uh, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God, get this, is wiser than men. And that's the comparative. You know, God says, even the most foolish thing I can come up with is still heads and tails above what you could come up with. You know, and even though it looks backwards, even though it wouldn't be what I would have done, God says, that's what I have planned. That's my choice. That's my decision. And that's how I'm going to um, propagate the gospel. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know, we invited visitors uh, to see a cantata. And, you know, I've, I've invited visitors before too. And, and sometimes you, um, you know, you, you, you add a little carrot. You're like, hey, we'll go out for supper after. We'll go out for lunch after. Or, um, you know, it's music. Everybody loves music. You know, in the back of our minds, we know the key part of this morning was when God's word was opened. You know, the, the message, the lyrics of those songs that uplifted the Savior. And, and that's what we understand was the importance this morning. Um, and, but it, it got people here. And, and the Bible gives us that, those questions. How, are the, how is anyone ever going to believe? How is anyone ever going to be saved without someone telling them? How is that going to happen? You know, and I know that can take many, many shapes and, and, and different forms. You know, you could, you could send somebody a Bible in the mail, you know, and in a way you're, you're sharing the gospel with them. But in, in, in when the, the Bible was written, you know, books were not common. And so the, the primary way to communicate was, was verbally, you know, you had to go and tell somebody the gospel, and, and primarily, that's how, you know, the, probably how most of us uh, heard the gospel as well. Um, let me just ask somebody, who, who told you the gospel? Dennis, who told you the gospel? Your wife. Wonderful. <laughs> Michelle, who told you the gospel? A TV. I know there's a lot of wickedness on TV, but TV, I know, I know of another friend of ours that was saved from a TV evangelist. You know, how many were saved not in the church service, but by some other means? Look around. You know, but we have to be teaching. We have to be preaching. We have to come up with creative ways to share the gospel. Verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace uh, and bring glad tidings of good things. All right, we're, we're not here to, to glorify a preacher. 
All right, we're not here to glorify uh, the guy that stands up behind the pulpit and opens God's word and, you know, we lift them up and that, that's not the point. Um, our, next, our next thought tonight is uh, we have the foolish method of a preacher, but we also have an empowered message. All right, you can put anyone up here that can, that can be a great speaker and motivational and everything else, but if the message is anything different than this, Will they really have any impact for, for God? Will we, will we see people saved? You know, but then you take some feeble, uh, fee, feeble mind. What did you call me, Ida? I struggle with words and all the rest. I don't know. Um, you know, but then if you can have God's word, you know, the message is what makes the foolishness of preaching impactful and life-changing. Go to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 36. We're empowered today because we have the message of God's word. We're also empowered because as a believer, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he empowers the preaching he empowers the message. And thus they spake, uh, Luke 24, verse 36, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, saith unto them, peace unto you. Uh, but they were terrified and frightened, supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold, my hands and my feet, and that is myself, or that is, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they believed not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, have ye any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. He said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. All right, so this is when Jesus appeared to the disciples and the Bible talks about them not believing. All right, what finally flipped the switch? You know, you have these disciples, they see Jesus, they hear the, the parables, they hear the stories, they, they, they missed it, right? They see the crucifixion, they all, they, they've, they've fled, they've run, they're hiding. Mary comes and tells them that Jesus rose from the, from the dead, and I don't know, I can't believe that. Um, Jesus shows up to them, and verse 45, I believe, is a very important verse, all right? Then opened he their understanding, all right, what took place? Jesus came and, and he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Um, I missed the verse, I'm sorry. Uh, but in one of the, 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 um, the other gospels, when this account is given, it, I believe it talks about Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. That's what took place. That they were given the same Holy Spirit that you and I have today. You know, he helps us understand the message. He empowers us to be able to share that message with others. You know, it's not this, this person, you know, that has any power to, to see lives changed or any of that. It is when God speaks through us, when God speaks his message through us. And again, I can't explain why God chose to do that, but God chose the foolishness of preaching to communicate that message. 
Paul speaks about um, uh, his preaching in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. He says, I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He said, I didn't come being the smartest, being, having the best grammar, having the best, you know, all, all of that. Not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, if we can share the gospel with someone, if we can be a messenger, a preacher, you know, um, and we're not using our excellency of speech or our wisdom or any of that, but if we can go in the power of God and have the message of God that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of a man. Well, I believe the Bible because Mr. Baker told me so. No, it's got to be a work of God, the power of God. And so what's our application this evening? A couple questions that I would just leave with you. And you can ask yourselves this. I'd encourage you to ask God these questions, you know, and, and he can give you the honest truth. All right. And the very first one is for anyone that is, that this is foreign, you know, that this is weird. And I have no idea what, what Mr. V is talking about with the foolishness of preaching the God. I don't understand that. And the first question is, am I a religious denier? You know, do I have some other way that I want to get to heaven? You know, for those, those high priests and the, the rulers, the religious rulers, Jesus was not their way to God, obeying the law, sacrifices, their, their rituals was the way they chose to try and get to heaven. And so ask yourself, am I a religious denier? In 2 Peter, talking about uh, um, uh, creation, uh, but in verse 5, it gives us the phrase, for this they are willingly ignorant of. You know, I heard that from a preacher one time, and he said, the Bible, that's, that's basically saying dumb on purpose. You know, that you are choosing to look at the truth and to turn away from it. You know, and, and so are you a religious denier? Is this something that is, is foreign to you? And I'd encourage you, just look at the Bible. Look at the story of Jesus Christ. Talk to people that have experienced salvation of a life-changing work of God. So first one is, are you a religious denier? Second one is, are you a witness? Are you a witness of Jesus? And by that, I mean, um, have you seen and, and, and can you call to memory times that God has done something in your life? You know, none of us here obviously can say, I saw Jesus resurrected after he died. You know, all of those people have passed away. We, none of us are strictly one-to-one the same witnesses that they were. You know, but I can witness and testify to, to what God's done in my life. You know, God's given me a wonderful wife and, and two wonderful boys. You know, God has met our needs. God has um, just time and time again of the things that God has done. And so I'd ask you, if, if someone to say, what are you a witness of? What, what would you say? What have you seen God do in your life? 
What have you seen God do in your heart? What have you seen God do in the lives of, of your kids maybe? Or in the lives of people at your church? Or the lives of people that, um, that you've just come in contact with? You know, what can you say that I'm a witness that God has done? With the maniac of Gadara, God cast, or Jesus cast devils out of him. We know that story as well. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, verse 19, he says, How be it, or verse 18, when he came into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Now, did Jesus say you need to go to Bible college and you need to learn everything and you need to, you know, wait 15 years before you tell anyone about Jesus? No. Jesus says, go to your friends. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them what great things the Lord hath done and how he loved you, how he had compassion on you. And honestly, I, you know, I, I hope none of us have ever been demonically possessed. Uh, but maybe we don't have that experience. But could we not look at our lives and say, wow, Jesus loved me. You know, even when I rejected him time and time again and I, I lived my own way and I, I chose sin over and over and over again, Jesus still loved me. He had compassion on me. And Jesus told him, go home to thy friends. You know, I would, I would tell the teens um, when, we, when we'd be doing Bible studies and stuff, there's, there's people that you have a unique ability to talk to. You know, that, that, uh, that a pastor, a youth pastor, or, or, or whoever else would never have the ability to talk to because that, that wall goes up, you know, and I'm not talking to you, you know. But every single one of us have those contacts that probably wouldn't listen to anybody else but you. You know, and, and think of it as that's your specific opportunity to be a witness. So are you a witness? Have you witnessed what Jesus has done? Um, do we accept the method that God has chosen to use? And by that, I mean you. You know, sometimes we sit back and we're like, oh, it's just the preacher's job. I, 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 I reject that idea. All right. It is your responsibility to share the gospel. We'll say it again. It's your responsibility to share the gospel, you know, with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, um, and and to 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 not, you know, Jesus used that example. You know, we have the candle, and do men light a candle and and put it under a bushel? You know, do you hide being a Christian? The message is empowered. Let God speak through you. Um, and and so I I, I pray that be an encouragement to you tonight. Um, just, just to think about what have we witnessed? What have I witnessed? And then the method that God has chosen is me. It's you to preach, to testify, to just tell people, you know, he could have walked through that city of Jerusalem and he could have, you know, blew open the doors and said, look, here am I. But Jesus chose, God chose to send men, to send women into that city and into the, the surrounding areas to testify of him. And, and I, know, I know we're not in that same time, but I don't, I don't think God's changed. I think he still uses us to tell others. And so I just pray that'd be an encouragement to you tonight. Let's pray together. Lord, I do love you, God. I do thank you for your, your love for us. 
I do pray that you would, uh, God, maybe you'd put someone on our hearts that I need to witness to. God, that I need to, to be a testimony, that I need to let my light shine. I pray for our church family as well, that you'd, you'd just bring to mind those things that they've witnessed. God, their own salvation or just the miracles that they've seen. And God, I pray that you'd give them opportunities as well to share that. We'll stand together and uh, we'll just take a few minutes together and, and you can pray at the altar. And just, I'd encourage you, just ask God, what have you done for me? What have you changed in my life? What do I need to be thankful for? Maybe you need to ask God, God, who would, who, who's that unique person that nobody else might be able to talk to, but they'll listen to, to me? They're my friend. We go back 30, 40 years. They'll, they'll, they'll hear me. And maybe God would put someone on your heart for you to pray for.